0: Morning Church, uh, as Joel mentioned, this, re- uh, this morning's scripture reading is from Psalm 118. You can follow along on, in your worship guide on page 5, your Bibles, and yep, yeah, it's printed on, it's, uh, it's on the screen behind me, so, uh, Psalm 118. Uh, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die but I shall not I shall not die but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing; it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O pray we give, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with the cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Thank you, God, for this morning when we could get away um, and gather here as a body uh, to hear your word um, and be reminded that your love indeed does endure forever. Um, uh, I guess depending on where we are in life, Lord, um, uh, we may not want to we may not feel thankful, Lord, um, but we are reminded by your word this morning that, um, that you are there, you are a refuge, Lord, and that your love indeed does endure forever, Lord, um, and that you are a rock, Lord. I pray that you speak through Joel, um, give him the words to just meet um, all of us where we are um, in our life now, um, and I pray that you just open our, our hearts and our ears um, to receive your word. I pray all these things in your name. Amen.
1: Okay. Thank you, Connie. Good job. Now, what was the hook? Oh, all right. You're going to have to be willing to speak a little louder because I can't hear from here. What was the hook? What do you think? Thank you. That's it. Right? So I'm going to fast forward. Everyone can see his steadfast love endures forever. Right? So almost in a call and response way, this psalm is trying to uh, put before you, to let it sink deeply, his steadfast love endures forever. So the psalmist would call out to you and say, Mosaic, what do you know about God? His steadfast love endures forever, right? Mosaic, do you know this? During the good times, his steadfast love endures forever. The psalmist is trying to get this to sink deeply into our lives, much the way music, uh, pop music, uh, currently works as well. If you think about songs that stick with you, the songs that you have in your AirPods or in your earbuds as you head into school or work, or into a meeting as you kind of start off your day, how is it that the last song you heard, uh, even when the meeting is about to start, or the teacher is about to get uh, going with class, how is it that you still remember uh, the music that you heard? Part of it is just that music is catchy. The way that our brains work, it's designed to grab our attention. And that's why we have been going through the Psalms as a church, because we want that to sink in deeply for us as well. It's a part of why every Sunday in our worship services, we don't just do communion and we don't just hear from God's word. But we also sing together because music is a part of the full worship of the church. So when you listen to songs, the repetition of them, and particularly a short four- to six-word phrase that summarizes what this is all about, the hook of a song, these things are designed to be catchy and to sink deeply with you. Whether it is Stevie Wonder singing Very Superstitious, And every verse that unpacks is connected to that very superstitious. So with what he's doing with the songwriting, not only with the music, but with what he's singing, is designed to circle around and to come back where you hear that unfold and you say, yes, that's a Stevie Wonder hit. Or for those of you who listen to more modern music, Harry Styles, you know it's not the same as it was. As it was, and how he works through that, how it's layered in in the chorus, is designed to connect with the whole message of what his song is about. It becomes a hook, a way to sink in, for you to relate with whatever it is you're going through. Those aren't new phenomena. The idea of a hook, a way to get you to connect in the midst of the hustle and bustle of your life, with just what this song has to say, that is how Psalm 118 was designed for you and for I. You may not know about how the priesthood of Aaron worked. You may not know how sacrifices in the ancient Near Eastern world were done. You may not be able to pick out just where the temple was located if we gave you a global map. But you don't need to know those things to understand his steadfast love endures forever. The author of Psalm 118 wants that to sink deeply so that when we go into a very important meeting for our lives, whether it's a job interview or an admissions request, whether it is uh, some big decision that we need to make, the psalmist wants to layer in his steadfast love endures forever. But not only in those important, decisive moments in our lives, also when we feel like we're really going through it, we're having a hard time. Where can our hope be found? The psalmist wants it to stick in our lives, that his steadfast love endures forever. So that... Wherever you're going, whatever it is you're doing, God's active work in our world, with what God has done for us, we, in a short phrase, can summarize his steadfast love endures forever. Let's break down that hook of Psalm 118, and we'll do it in a couple of points this morning. The love of the Lord endures the love of the Lord forever. So, in verses, uh, in, in the opening section of the song, we get introduced. Give thanks to the Lord. So, here's a reason for you to praise. His steadfast love endures forever. And in verses two through four, there's kind of a call out, just like I did with Mosaic Silver Spring. He's calling out to these different groups, inviting them to respond. His steadfast love endures forever. So let all of Israel say, let the house of Aaron say, let those who fear the Lord say. You could add to it through the course of redemptive history. Let all who are far off say. Let anyone who has ears say. If you are here this morning, you can say. It is a way to invite people in. And so in the opening verses of 2 through 4, as he lets it settle in that, his steadfast love endures forever, the psalmist is inviting everyone to come and hear his testimony. And in verses 5 through 18, you have a sense that the love of the Lord, it endures. And it's not just for the good times. God's love is not just a fair weather thing. That when uh, the clouds are clear, when the sun is out, when the humidity has been pushed out by a front, and so you walk out and it is pleasant outside, those aren't the only moments that His steadfast love endures in the midst of life's storms, in the darkness on the horizon, His Love endures. The psalmist is reminding that of his reality, his testimony. In verse 5, he says, Out of the distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me. As he thought through just where he would put his trust in verses 7 and 8 and 9, as he thinks through all the nations surrounding him, so just what the opposition was, in light of all of that, He's making this proactive choice to put his trust in the Lord. Why? Because his love endures forever. The psalmist is saying, as you go through life, as I go through life, when we are tempted to think we need to just make a deal because the powers and opposition we face are too strong, we have to remember that his steadfast love endures forever. This is an important point where I can qualify that steadfast love phrase, it means more than just the feeling that you get when you think about God or when you think about spiritual stuff. Uh, That's how we typically throw around the word love. But steadfast love here, the thing that endures, the thing that endures forever, it is connected to God's covenant promises to his people, the phrase that's used, that's translated steadfast love, it's connected to God's covenant promises, to what he's doing for the spiritual life and vitality of his people. So if we push that a little bit deeper, he is applying not just to our circumstances but to our own spiritual reality. When you're tempted to think, I just need to find my own truth, I need to cut my own spiritual path. The psalmist calls you back to God's covenant faithfulness. His never-ending, never-stopping, never-giving-up kind of love for you that's been shown. That steadfast love, that's what endures forever. Not your personal choices, nor the powers that you face. And so the psalmist is giving up this testimony as an example Not just for himself, he's not just saying, Hey, I went through this thing, you should rejoice with me. It becomes a model for all of the people to be invited into when you face your moments of distress. You too can remember his steadfast love endures forever. So even in those dark or difficult times, you can be encouraged. Even when things are tough, you can lift your face. Even when you can't point to circumstances, that may give you hope, the psalmist is reminding you of God's faithfulness to his covenant promises, that his love endures forever. We can work that out in a few ways for us this morning. When something in life gets you really angry, and I know that's going to be different for each of us, so I'm not going to figure out one specific example, but you could just think. What is it this past week or this past month? It's just, it really, it gets me on the inside. It's not just a pet peeve, a mild irritant. It's an injustice or thing that just really makes me angry. I'm most likely to lose it when it comes to this. In our moments of anger, we can be tempted to break a couple of different ways One is to take matters into our own hands. We need to drop everything and we have to fix it. Or we can be tempted to just say, oh, I just have to rage and get it all out because this is never going to change. How about in the face of that anger when something moves you to rage where you say, I am really, really off tilt because of this. You pause in that moment And reflect on God's steadfast love. That it endures forever. That what God is doing through his covenant promises in our lives has something to say that frames up that injustice or that anger-inducing circumstance. That is what the psalmist is suggesting it looks like for us to grow up spiritually that we don't just respond to what life throws us, whether it's injustice or circumstance, and we just kind of rage against it in a reactive way. The psalmist is calling us to say, listen, you want to grow up spiritually. Part of how you do that is when life or the powers that be make you angry, you can work through that in light of the reality that God's steadfast love, it endures forever. And that is how we can respond. So if it's true in anger, it's also true in anxiety. The same effects get played out. Whether it's uh, a meeting that we have to have, whether it's a test that we're waiting to hear about, whether it's uh, some relational unknowns that we're navigating, those unknowns can just sit with us They can cause us to not really be able to function in a normal way or go through and do anything else because we're just occupied. In those moments, the psalmist is inviting us to run the song, the hook through our heads of Psalm 118, that his steadfast love endures forever. Now look, the psalmist isn't naive or foolish to think that just by singing this song— injustice goes away, or the things that may make you angry, that's not what he's saying. Nor that all your circumstances that may lead you to anxiety just disappear or get better. That's not what he's saying either. What he's saying is that life is going to give us these tests of endurance that involve injustice and anxiety-producing circumstances. The question for us is how do we walk through that individually and together? How do you respond in those moments? That's the testimony that the psalmist is trying to give. He's trying to say, hey, when I was pressed in on, when I faced injustice, when I thought our whole nation was about to fall, when my life was on the line, I called out that his steadfast love endures forever. And so he's inviting you to follow his lead. Now, if the case that the psalmist is making is that the love of the Lord endures, how do you know? How do you know this isn't just a song that people sing? And yeah, it worked for them. Maybe it worked for the psalmist here in 5 through 18, but how will it work for me? In verses 19, down through the end of the psalm, verse 29, there's almost this flip from 18 to 19. Uh, He ends 18 talking about how the Lord disciplined me severely, but has not given me over to death. Uh, the reality that the steadfast love of the Lord, it endured even in this really dark spot. In verse 19, there is this clear flip. It's almost like he changes. He goes a slightly different direction with that same hook. It's almost like if it were a song, like the, you enter into verse number two. So verse number one covers 5 through 18. You have the hook and in the intro introduced. And then here, in the second half of the psalm, you move into this question of the gates of righteousness. Open them up. That I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I shall thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This pivot... In verse 2, how does this steadfast love work out for you and I today? How is it that uh, it's not just a song of old that we sing when we're in church, but that when we face our own anger or anxiety-producing moments, that with confidence we can say his steadfast love endures forever. How is that? Well, as God's story unfolds, How we on this side of the work of Jesus Christ begin to understand our base or foundation for confidence, it's in the work of Jesus Himself. So when the psalmist pivots in the second half of the psalm and he begins to ask this question, where is my salvation in the face of death going to be found? Where is the pathway for life that leads me to the point where I get to the gates of righteousness before God and I can enter into those gates? Where can I find that? And in almost this phrase that I think in its original context in Psalm 18 meant uh, an unexpected place, You'll see in verse 22, he says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. What future sisters and brothers of faith began to realize is that the pathway through those gates comes to us. Our confidence and foundation that his love endures, not just endures our hard times, but endures forever is built upon the stone that the builders rejected. The one that became the cornerstone, the most important stone of the building of our faith. In the book of Acts, In the Gospels, this reference comes to bear on Jesus himself. They began to see Jesus as the one who the builders rejected, the one who becomes the cornerstone, the one upon whom everything else is built, the guide and foundation for our faith. So if the question is, how do I know that this isn't just a song, that it actually applies to my anger or anxiety-producing moments? The psalmist, when he pivots to the question of salvation, to entering into the gates of righteousness, for us, as the story of Scripture unfolds, the answer becomes Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King, the one who has brought about our deliverance, our Redeemer. He is the one who the builders rejected, but who became the cornerstone. So when we face our struggles, when we think through the reality of circumstances and life that puts us in a spot of anger and anxiety, the psalm, and as we sing the hook, his steadfast love endures forever, we can be brought back to the foundation of Jesus himself. That becomes our source of hope. So that when we face those angry moments and we say, how will this work out, we can take stock and put trust into the reality that God himself has entered in through the life of Jesus. And through his death and resurrection, that power on display is what becomes our hope for how we know injustice is going to be dealt with. Or in our most anxiety-producing moments where we really wrestle with, is this going to work out and how, we can... Think back to the work of Jesus and how his resurrection from the dead becomes real in our lives through faith so that we can join in and sing that his steadfast love endures not just for the season, not just for this decision, but forever. That's what meets us in the midst of not only our difficult times, but that's what sustains us for our lives. That's the Christian hope that's rooted. When Jesus came declaring, as we opened up this morning in our worship, with the invitation of worship from Hebrews, and it refers back to the prophets, but that now God has spoken through his son. That word, the word of hope through Jesus is the foundation of our faith, has continued across time, century, language, ethnicity, various struggles to today. Today. And it invites you in so that if you've wondered, hey, I've been cutting my own path spiritually. I've been going my own way. It's not quite working out for me. Where's my hope to be found? When you sing of his steadfast love that endures forever, you're invited to see your faith in Jesus working out. The book of Psalms calls to us in our dark moments. And even in the midst of our struggles, when we're about to make big decisions, when things haven't gone our way, when the unknown of our world is pressing in on us. It's in those very moments that the Psalms are designed to call out and speak to us, to linger, to marinate our souls with the reality of his steadfast love and that it endures forever So that through faith in Jesus, we, you and I this morning, are invited in to this never stopping, never giving up, always and forever kind of love from God himself. We are invited to connect to the creator, to the redeemer, to the sustainer of our world. We are invited to sing in a personal way. Not just because some psalmist wrote it. But through faith in Jesus, you are invited this morning to sing in a personal way, His steadfast love endures forever. As we go through the rest of this summer as a church, my hope is that that's the song that drives us. When we face difficult times, when we are pressed in on, my hope is that with joy, together, we can sing, His steadfast love endures forever. That that becomes the sustainer for our lives. That that becomes the song that forms us spiritually. That that becomes the hook that drives us, even in our dark moments. Let me pray that we can sing and sing together. God, I ask that as we uh, work through these psalms, that we see whether they're psalms of confession, like Psalm 51, whether they are psalms of your love and care, like Psalm 23, or here where this is this testimony and call to give thanks and to have perspective even in the midst of difficult times because of your steadfast love. God, I pray that's a love that we know and that we know well, that it sustains us, that it drives us, that it becomes the root and source of our faith. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.